0: I know a lot of people have either run, walked, or ridden on the Hop River Trail as it goes from Willimantic out toward Bolton and then eventually up toward Vernon and Manchester. And while you may not notice it when you drive over it after you've gotten on a 384 from Route 6 or Route 44, there's a big tunnel there. The trains used to go through that tunnel. And people who use that tunnel have complained that there's been collisions in there. People just can't see what's going on inside the tunnel. Well, a couple of UConn students have been involved in a project to get lights inside that tunnel. And one of them joins me today, Sumit Kadian, from East Lyme. He's been working with Robert Avena to get lights in that tunnel. So Sumit joins me this morning. Sumit, good morning. Thanks for stopping in this morning. And tell me how this whole project came about. What was your first indication that there was a problem at Bolton Notch.
1: Of course, and thank you so much for having me, Wayne. It's a pleasure to be on. Um, So, uh, hello, everybody. My name is Samit Kadian, uh, and I first got involved in this project through a course uh, at UConn two years ago when I was a freshman, so I'm not going to be a rising senior at UConn, but two years ago I took a course called Anthropology 3340E, which is like a culture and conservation course, and while that course has a traditional coursework in the classroom setting, um, an additional component is a service learning component where students are encouraged to go in the community and pursue a project. And the project um, that was made available to us, one of the many projects that students could choose from, was lighting the tunnel and creating a feasibility study. And that's sort of how I got involved with Rob. Um, he's, he's a mechanical engineer at UConn. Although I'm a molecular and cell biology major, I found great connections to this project um, and, and preventative health care and staying active while... Um, staying active while doing so in a safe way. And so that's sort of how I got involved.
0: And, Sumit, talk about what the problem is there, why this project that you've been involved with was necessary. Of course.
1: So I think that to explain the problem best, one actually has to go to the tunnel. But to give a brief overview, the, the uh, Bolton Tunnel, which, like Wayne mentioned, is a tunnel where trains used to go through, uh, is an 800-foot-long tunnel that's 30 feet tall, it's completely dark. Um, it has sharp rock crevices on each side of the walking pathway, and bikers also go through this tunnel. Um, on cloudy days, the problem is magnified, where you can clearly see how dark the tunnel actually is, um, and it's very dangerous if you have kids playing inside or walkers and a bike zooms by. Um, and there have been collisions in the past, um, none of which have resulted in, in any fatalities, thank goodness, but definitely some collisions that have resulted in injuries, and so. Our goal with this project was to show the town of Bolton and other stakeholders that lighting the tunnel is important um, primarily for safety, um, but also to make the tunnel safer and more accessible and even ADA compliant. Um, uh, more, you know, a little bit more background on the tunnel is that it's part of the Hop River Trail, which is um, a bike and pedestrian path running through 15 states and spanning 3,000 miles from Florida to Maine.
0: And what was the role of Bike Walk Bolton? That's a very active group for folks who like to use these trails, especially in the Bolton Notch area, and especially the Hop River Trail.
1: Yeah, so Bike Walk Bolton is actually a nonprofit. Um, they were actually the first interested parties that uh, wanted to light the tunnel, and they were very passionate about it. And so our work, when we constructed the feasibility study, which ended up being a, a 30-page document on, on how to light the tunnel, um, was primarily constructed through the help and uh, direct communication with Bike Walk Bolton. Bike Walk Bolton um, didn't construct the feasibility study themselves per se because they were having trouble um, finding traction and support and so they turned to Yukon and that's sort of how that connection was built between Bike Walk Bolton and Yukon and, and the students, um, Rob and myself.
0: Now, Sumit, I've walked through that tunnel many times. It's an unusual place with a rocky outcropping on the sides of the trail but as I walk through there, I didn't see any plugs. I didn't see any power. So once you do get lights in that tunnel, which aren't there yet, we'll get the timetable on that later on, but once you get lights in there, where do you get the power from? That's a great question.
1: So when Rob and I designed the feasibility study, Rob and I are both very passionate about renewable energy, and we thought that since the East Coast Greenway, since the Hop River Trail is so focused on promoting sustainable living, and, and um, I, we thought that there would be many ways, light the tunnel. And so we suggested um, a lot of different options. We suggested solar on-grid, solar off-grid lighting. Um, But we ended up realizing, and this was very important to us as students as well, is that when you're constructing a project like this, in order to garner support, um, sometimes being the most sustainable option, which would have been solar panels, is not often the most feasible. Um, The tunnel is owned by the Department of Transportation, and the pathway is actually owned by the Department of Environmental um, Protection. And talking amongst those people looking at a nearby tunnel that is lit in Andover, we concluded that there is um, wiring nearby at a nearby light post that you can run wires through the ground and and have it connected to lights in the tunnel that way. And that's the most feasible option and the lowest cost option. So that's sort of what we decided in the end.
0: And speaking of the timetable, it's not lit yet. What do you anticipate the timetable for getting that tunnel lit to be?
1: Right, and that's a great question, because that's, uh, that's a million-dollar question that Rob and I were trying to think about, too, because it's been two years since Rob and I completed our feasibility study. Um, we've been in communication recently with Bike Walk Bolton, uh, and they are hoping to have it lit by the end of the year, if not um, shortly thereafter, uh, as they work with the DOT and DEP, because both departments, um, especially DOT since they own the tunnel, confirmed that the lighting project is, is good to go. So we're very excited about that.
0: Sameet, what was it like working with those governmental agencies, the DEEP and the DOT?
1: Well, I think, um, to be honest, it was a learning experience for both Rob and I. Um, Rob and I worked with members in the private industry as well as the public industry. We worked during the COVID 19 pandemic, which might influence my opinion a little bit. Um, while it was definitely easier to contact people at the private agency, they seemed to respond much quicker. Uh, it was a little harder to get a hold of folks at DEP and the DOT, but when we pushed a little bit and when we were given the runaround, eventually we were able to speak to individuals who were, I think, passionate about the project because there were such young students working on it, and they really helped us, gave us the dimensions of the tunnel, the, the information that we would need to construct our feasibility study. And it was, it was nice working with them, although I will say challenging at times just because, as it is with many governmental agencies, um, it's just a little challenging by the nature of it. That being said, um, Rob and I had no experience about how to construct a feasibility study or even how to build one, Uh, but when we were talking to these individuals, they definitely helped us throughout the process, gave us the information we needed, and allowed us to construct our 30-plus page report describing that tunnel lighting is not only necessary, uh, but it is feasible as well.
0: Tell me about UConn's Director of Service Learning, and the Associate Director of the Office of Outreach and Engagement, and what her role was in bringing this whole concept together, tying you with Bike Walk Bolton and this project.
1: Yeah, so Julia Yakovich actually um, served, if you will, as the bridge between us uh, and the class, the anthropology class I was mentioning earlier, and um, with Bike Walk Bolton, um, the nonprofit group. So Bike Walk Bolton essentially came to Julia and the the, um, department at UConn, and that she, uh, Julia connected us with Bike Walkful, and she's great. She works with many different classes at UConn and also many different organizations, and her goal really is to uh, um, promote community service, but also promote service learning, so really connecting that classroom knowledge at UConn to to service projects, and to me, that is a, a fantastic and very important role, because as I, you know, took on this project, Rob and I took on this project, we learned that it's very possible uh, to take the knowledge that you're learning in the class and really apply it uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to the community and to solve their needs. And so it was a great experience for sure.
0: Samit, I don't think that they had Anthropology 3340 when I was going to UConn. Tell the folks what Anthropology 3340 is all about.
1: Sure. Anthropology 3340E, the formal name of it, is an environmental uh, course at UConn called Culture and Conservation. The primary um, function of the course is to obviously learn about environmental uh, climate change, uh, human-environmental interaction, ethics, disasters, environmental uh, justice, and health uh, across the world, not only in the United States, uh, but like I said, the huge portion of the course, and this is what really separates this course from other traditional courses in a classroom setting, is you have that service learning component where you take all that knowledge of learning about climate change, about environmental action, uh, interaction, and about ethics, and you go out and you apply it in the community in some way. Some students chose to, I know that some students in the course, for example, have chosen to uh, build sustainable websites um, to teach others about climate change. I know as a part of the course, and I was in another project that all the students did, was middle schoolers came up and we gave a lesson. Rob and I gave our lesson on how the life of a water bottle, basically, how a water bottle, um, the process that it takes to build one and, and where it goes after it's recycled and, and things like that. Um, But the service-learning project that Rob and I chose for our course, for this culture and conservation course, was Lighting the Tunnel.
0: Samit Kadian, who's involved in a project to get lights at the tunnel that goes under 384 for people to use the Hop River State Park Trail, either runners, walkers, or bikers, because a lot of people use that trail over the course of any given year. And Robert Avina is your partner in this Tell the background of the two of you guys. You guys go back a long way together.
1: We do go back. Rob and I have known each other since third grade. Uh, so it's been quite, quite a time. We're approaching uh, 14 years, or, or we're approaching well, over 10 years of knowing each other. So it's great.
0: So, how do you develop this feasibility study? You said it was a 30 page feasibility study. And I'm wondering what takes 30 pages to write about? What's in that feasibility study?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. When Rob and I were writing it, we did not think it would be 30 pages. Um, a little bit more on the background of Rob. Rob is a mechanical engineer, and I am a molecular and cell biology major. So our paths don't often cross, but, you know, being roommates freshman year, it seemed like a great way for us to continue our friendship because we don't often take many classes together. Um, Rob and I both didn't have much knowledge about what feasibility studies are or what they contain, but, you know, using Google and using uh, the resources that we had, We constructed this 30-page report, and so aside from introduction that goes over the fact that we think the tunnel lighting is necessary, we also talk about UConn Service Learning in it, the objective of our feasibility study, what the Hop River Trail Tunnel is and why it needs lighting. We give some general definitions of lighting using um, important definitions like foot candles and lumens and the color temperature of lights and how many lights we think there are going to need to be, which we came up with 10 as the estimate, with two different lights at the entrance and the exit, and eight different lights running along the center of the tunnel. We go over all the different options we came up with, solar panels versus solar tubes, grid-wired lights, and signage. We talk about the photometric calculations that we conducted, so how do you figure out what fixtures are necessary. Um, we talked about the technical feasibility of the project, so looking at the Department of Transportation scoping efforts in the area. We talked about universal maintenance of the lights and other considerations. We then proceeded probably one of the most important portions of this study, which was cost. Um, we talked about costs and funding and in addition to that, we talked about future possibilities, so talking to a licensed engineer getting DOT approval, Yukon service learning and detailed photometric calculations and other sorts. And finally, we gave our concluding remarks and then talked about the contact information um, for individuals that we wanted to, uh, to talk about.
0: Alright, Samit, bottom line, what's this going to cost and who picks up the tab?
1: That's a great question, and I think Bike Log is still trying to figure that out, because like I mentioned, there's two governmental agencies that own the trail, um, but Rob and I are hoping that they can either work together um, or, moreover, that given the uh, recent publicity that this news that the story has generated, that even the town of Bolton can contribute a little bit toward this project. Because when a survey was conducted with a trail counter in the area, and um, we saw not only the number of people going through the trail on a daily basis, but also the surveys that Bike Bolton conducted, one in six individuals reported lighting as, as one of their top concerns. Um, so we're hoping that, that somebody can definitely put the bill, if not definitely um, a contribution of multiple individuals.
0: And I was intrigued to see that the tunnel will be lit 24-7, to which I'm thinking, because I know about these trails, I'm on them all the time, including that segment, but those trails close at sundown. So couldn't you cut back on the minor expense a little bit by not illuminating those at uh, that tunnel at night?
1: Sure, that's a fantastic thought. I think what When we talked to BikeWalk Bolton about the cost savings that would occur if you were to shut the lights off uh, at night or even have something like motion sensors at the entrance and the exit so that they turn on when necessary, the reason we opted out for the motion sensor is just because um, the tunnel is so dark and it's so long to cross, it would be hard to track, you know, if somebody lingers in the middle of the tunnel for a little bit of time. If those lights shut off, then it would be kind of dangerous. But um, we ended up saying that the monthly cost for 10, 264-watt fixtures running 12 hours a day, would be like 177 bucks, and running 24 hours a day would be almost, obviously, triple that, about $354. Um, what Bicepile Boland ended up suggesting and why they want the 24-hour option is primarily for safety. All of the tunnels, taking, the trails do close. They're also worried about graffiti and individuals hanging around in the tunnel um, later at night. And while, obviously, we don't want people doing that, we don't want the lights to promote that, we also want to make sure that if anybody engages in activities, they're still safe, and they do so because those rocks are very dangerous, and we don't want anybody to slip and get injured inside the tunnel.
0: Now, how dark is that tunnel? You did photometric calculations of that, and what's the role of a little bend in the tunnel? It isn't just a straight tunnel, and that cuts down some of the light coming in from the south end.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, on a sunny day, uh, a walker's eyes can adjust quickly. However, I will say that on a cloudy day, it's very hard for walker's eyes to adjust and forget about bikers. On a sunny day for bikers, usually have to take out their sunglasses if they're wearing any because they go so fast. It really gives them time to visualize what's inside the tunnel, the people walking through it. Um, and I took pictures of runners walking in, and as soon as they clear that bend, so about three or four seconds after entering that tunnel, you basically lose sight of them if you're standing outside the tunnel. To give you a sense of how powerful these lights are, a standard, the most powerful household light somebody can usually purchase is about 1,600 lumen. It's like a, a traditionally 100-watt 100, 100 bulb LED's especially less wattage, but 1,600 lumens basically is an idea. Each of our lights that we suggested for this tunnel outputs 30,000 lumens, which is uh, way over 10 times as powerful as your traditional household light bulb. Uh, So that's just to give you an idea of how powerful each individual light needs to be, and you need 10 of those lights roughly to light the whole tunnel up. Once again, I mean, it's 800 feet long, 30 feet tall. Cargo trains used to go through this tunnel, so it's a huge tunnel definitely.
0: Now, I know you spent a lot of time on this, but was this maybe one of the most fun things you've done in your UConn academic career?
1: Yeah, it definitely was one of the greatest things I've done in my UConn career, for sure. I've been involved uh, at UConn through many projects and initiatives and and many different clubs and organizations, Uh, but what I will say is that one of the most rewarding experiences is being able to give back to your community in some way. And this... This project allowed me to look at not only what the community's needs were, uh, but also address them in a tangible method. Rob and I really thought that after the COVID-19 pandemic hit, that we would be at a standstill. Um, But rather, that just incentivized us more and and made us really think about unique ways. And we pitched this uh, this feasibility study virtually to a lot of stakeholders at the town of Bolton, uh, at the DOT, DEP, um, and and other interested community members. it was great working with all these partners, learning so much about not only lighting and engineering and feasibility studies, but also how to get tangible action done in the community, which is quite difficult at times. Um, But most importantly, building those connections was also great. Um, Because molecular and cell biology majors, many people don't think of that and a feasibility study coming together. But because I also passion for preventative health care, because it connected so well to my goals as well in unique ways, it was a wonderful project and one that I really enjoyed participating in.
0: Sumit, this is obviously a great resume builder. What do you see yourself doing five or ten years down the road?
1: That's a good question, Wayne. Um, I'm interested in pursuing medical school and actually applying right now. Um, and in terms of specialty, I'm not too sure yet, but becoming a physician is my long-term goal. As for Rob, I know that Rob is very interested in mechanical engineering, and his goal is to pursue uh, something, obviously, in the mechanical engineering realm after school, if not go to grad school.
0: Well, the project, obviously, is something close to my heart because I know that tunnel well. I know the trail well, and I appreciate the job that you've done. The lights aren't in yet, but they will be soon to light up that dark tunnel that goes under 384 in Bolton Notch. Samit, great job. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you so much, Wayne. Take care. Have a great day. That's Samit Kadian, who, along with his pal Rob Avina, have done this service learning project to the University of Connecticut to get some lights inside that dark tunnel that goes under 384 in Bolton Notch. 14 W.I.L.